Well, if you can make your way to your seats, so we can go ahead and get started. No. Yes. <laughs> Today we're going to begin a journey uh, studying the book of Joshua. So if every Bible's turn with me to the book of Joshua, we'll be starting in Joshua chapter 1. You know, it's been uh, seven years since I preached on anything from the book of Joshua. Uh, Yes, I am a nerd, and I like to keep track of that stuff. Uh, But um, the book of Joshua is an amazing book, and I absolutely love the stories of faith that are intertwined within the book of Joshua. And uh, Corey, I was waiting for you to go, Joshua. Yeah, thank you. And um, so... There's an amazing story that gets written through the book of Joshua. And the book of Joshua is all about this this, uh, courageous faith that's lived out. Some amazing things happen in the book of Joshua. But we have to understand what happens previously, right leading up to it. And what's happened previously to this Joshua taking control of of the country of Israel is that he has served Moses. He has seen Moses do some amazing things. He has been there when Moses parted the Red Sea. He's been there as they traveled through the wilderness. He's been there to see the manna fall from the heavens to feed the people and then only have the people complain because it's not steak and potatoes. He's been been there during the time of Moses is getting old and leading up to this place where he knows Moses is going to be leaving soon. And so Joshua has been this this wonderful right-hand man to Moses. It's no secret that Joshua was Moses' right-hand man, but Joshua was much of a different man than Moses was. Moses had this amazing experience with God, and, and he had this amazing interaction with God. And he had this personal relationship that called him up onto a mountain and the Ten Commandments were given to him. It's, he's led him to the edge of the water and he touched his staff to the water and the water separated. There's an amazing story in Moses himself. But Joshua has been the one that's been right beside Moses during this whole entire thing. If there isn't a prettier, oh, maybe prettier is not the right word. If there isn't a better picture of discipleship than what we have in the story of Moses and Joshua, I don't know where there would be. Joshua has faithfully served Moses all his life. Joshua has been there, and actually Joshua was the, um, he was the military hand of Moses, if you will. What we find in the book of Joshua is that he has a di- he's a different leader than Moses. Moses had this relationship with God, and he had this interaction with God, Joshua didn't have the same interactions with God that Moses had. But Joshua was also one that would go out into the wilderness and lead his military and overcome giants in the land and do amazing things. And God still spoke to him. But over and over and over again in Joshua, we see God move because the people were obedient to him. They trusted him. They had faith in him. They believed in him. And they followed God wherever he sent them and whatever he asked them to do. 
For the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of these amazing stories of faith. And then my hope through this series is that you can challenge yourself to look at these stories and say, how can I have the same faith? How can I build the same faith in myself that Joshua had, that the people of Israel had during this time? And as we read each story, you'll see that in each one of these stories, God uses who he pleases to have his faith and have his kingdom advanced. It takes great faith for someone who has, and, and for someone who is courageous and strong to follow God and do the great things that we find in the book of Joshua. May we all be led to be strong and courageous and do not be terrified. I remember as a, as a young uh, youth pastor working for this church, and as I was there, the very first Bible verse I memorized myself in Sunday school, I, I gave my life to Christ when I was 16 years old, and the very first Bible verse that I was, spoed, I, I was, spoed, I was spoken to remember or memorize was Joshua 1.9. Do not be, be courageous, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. By the way, I still memorize it in uh, New King James or King James, even though I read from the ESV. So uh, excuse me if I'm reading this and I slip back into a different translation there. That's just the way my brain works because I memorized it in that. But this verse was, it's such an amazing verse. It's such an amazing thing that that it's supposed to strengthen our insides. It's supposed to give us courage. It's supposed to help us to stand strong. So as we face problems in our life, we can be strong and we can be courageous. But this verse has so much more meaning to it. We're going to look at that. Let's pray and then we'll jump into Joshua chapter 1. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for how wonderful you are and how you call us to have an unbelievable amount of courage and faith in you. But you don't leave us alone. You don't just say trust in me because I say so, but you show us why we should trust in you. You speak to us. You move in us. You guide us, you direct us, you help us to see you. And so, Father, we, t- we pray today that as we begin this study of Joshua, may we learn to have a courageous faith like Joshua, like the others in the book of Joshua that we will be reading about. May we learn to follow you. May we learn to be strong and courageous. May we learn to be not terrified, but to glorify you, to walk with you wherever we go. May we learn to follow you, no matter what is told or what is questioned, and even if it doesn't make sense, may we still follow you because you are calling us to that. Father, pray our prayers today is that we can do that, that we can be who you call us to be and have this courageous faith. Father, remove any hindrances from our minds and from our ears and from our hearts that keep us from hearing from you and what you would have to say to us. Lord, I pray that my words would not be my own, but they would truly be yours. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you just come in and take my feeble words and the things that I'm trying to say and make them available to those that are listening in the words and in the way that only you can, Father. We love you, we glorify you, we honor you, and we praise you now in Jesus' most precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's read Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place, every place 
that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be, very, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all that, the, that, that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book, this book of the law, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, it, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This calling, if you will, that Joshua receives from the Lord himself is something that's been building up inside of him for years. To understand this calling, you have to go back just a little bit, as I said, with Moses and the time Joshua spent with Moses. But Moses was not allowed to enter into the promised land because he disobeyed God. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here today, but basically Moses went to the rock and he tapped the rock too many times. And because of that, and I'm not talking about the rock from WWF or WWE, I'm talking about a rock. And because of that, Moses wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. And I'm sure these conversations went on, and I'm sure Joshua stood at Moses' feet and saw the pain and the suffering and the disappointment of why he disobeyed God and, and why he got to this place and why he wasn't allowed to enter into the promised land. But then here comes Joshua. Moses now passes away, and God comes to Joshua and says, Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan and all of these people into the land that I'm giving to them. Joshua is going to lead his people into what has been called the promised land. The promised land is something that they had been promised for years, but they had to go through the desert to get there. Their disobedience to God caused them 40 years to spend in the desert over and over and over again. But but Joshua receives the call to go into this land and do what Moses had instructed him to do, but also what God had promised Moses for all these years. The story of Joshua really begins with the understanding that faith begins with trust. In order to have faith, you have to understand, you have to have a trust in something. You cannot have faith and trust without each other. You cannot have faith in something that you don't trust. If you don't trust it, you're not going to have faith in it. And so you have to have trust in this thing that we call faith, in this thing that we call faith in our Lord and Savior Joshua had to trust that the one he followed all those years, the one that he submitted to, Moses, was right. All these years, Moses is having this interaction with God, and he's sharing with Joshua about these stories, about all of these interactions, what's going on with 
Moses, but Joshua had to believe that the one that Moses was looking into was the very one that he wanted to. This was kind of Joshua's growing up party, if you will. Now he's going, the Lord's going before Joshua and saying, Joshua, it's no longer Moses' faith you have to live by. It's now your faith. You're no longer going to have your hands placed in Moses' leadership. It is now yours that you have to stand up in. And so at this time, Moses has to make a decision in his life. He has to step back and say, is what I have learned from Moses all these years really what I trust in? Do I really trust this Lord? Do I trust in him? Joshua had to be sure that his God, who has now put him in charge, was trustworthy. Over the years, Joshua had learned to trust God by watching him answer the prayers of his mentor, Moses. Moses relied on Joshua when he was alive, and Joshua learned from Moses. He learned to trust God and learned that no matter the situation, God would be there for him. Never before was there a leader like Moses who had spoken face-to-face with God. Never before was this person like Moses that Joshua had a chance to stand by and learn from. Scripture tells us that even Joshua, if you remember Moses, when Moses goes up to receive the Ten Commandments, what is happening to the people of Israel? Anyone remember what's going on? They're building the golden calf, right? Because they don't trust that what Moses is actually getting on the mount is really going to be helpful to them. So they begin to serve another God. Do you know the only, Scripture only tells us of one person who did not serve the golden calf at that time. Do you know who that one person was? It was Joshua. Joshua is said to be waiting at the mountainside. He's waiting at the mountainside for Moses to come down with the Ten Commandments. Joshua trusted Moses so much so that when, wherever he went, he also went, and he waited for him. He waited by his side. Joshua would become a different kind of leader than Moses was, though. Moses was a very spiritual leader, as I said before, one who had many interactions with God. Joshua was more of a military leader. He lacked the depth of the spiritual relationship that Moses had, but that changed as Moses and Joshua became the leader he needed to be. See, trust is gained by watching God succeed in a mentor. You know, I stand up here on on Sundays, almost every Sunday, and say, you need to be discipled. You need to be in a discipleship relationship. And I stand up here and I hark on that and I, and I say this over and over and over again. Why do I say this over and over and over again? I say this over and over and over again because your trust on who God wants you to be can only be built by seeing God answer the prayers. And sometimes it's not just answering the prayers to you, but it's answering the prayers of seeing how God moves in your mentor, how your mentor stands before, how the one who is discipling you stands there and prays and asks the Lord to have something happen to them and then to see it become successful. There's, a nev- there's never a better learning ground, a, a teaching environment, than for someone to be in a discipleship relationship and see their discipler being blessed by God. Moses was discipled by one of the best. He gained his trust by watching God succeed in Moses. It's amazing to have, to, to have amazing faith and to have an amazing trust. You have to see God move. We're not just going to sit here and say, I have, most people don't just buy into the idea of Jesus and God. Most people don't just wholeheartedly jump all in with everything that they have. 
They give a little bit. They need tr- They need help. They need help. They need salvation. And so they pray for salvation and they pray for help and they pray for that, that ticket, if you will, to make them be able to enter into the gates of heaven. Yet that's not... That's, that's where most Christians fail and stop. They don't, they don't continue on to press on, to do more. They don't have the faith that if I go into the hospital and I pray for someone, that God could move through my prayers and heal them. They don't have the faith to believe that I could go over to my neighbor and I could share my faith with my neighbor and know the words that I need to say and see them win and come into the kingdom of God. Most people fail at that because they don't really trust, they trust God enough for their salvation, but they don't trust God anymore outside of that. The book of Joshua is all about trusting God, not just for a salvation, but trusting God in your everyday life. Every, everywhere you go, everything that you do, you have to trust in God. See, to have an amazing faith, you have to have an amazing trust in a God that is so amazing that He can do the impossible. To know that When you pray, God will answer your prayers. To know that even when things don't seem to be right, that it's okay because God is in control. Joshua taught all of these things. Joshua learned all of these things from Moses. See, faith and trust go hand in hand. If you don't trust God, why would you have faith in Him? It's a simple question. If you don't trust God, why would you have faith in Him? If you want an amazing faith, you have to have an amazing trust in God in all things. That He can do the impossible like He promised and says that He can. So my question to you today, my question to you is, do you really have faith in God that He can do even the impossible? Again, many of us have the faith to believe that He can save us, but do we have faith that He can deal with us on our everyday job? Do you have faith and believe that when things aren't going right, that it's okay because He's in control? Do you have faith to believe that you can go out and do the things that He has called you to do because He's with you? He's always there. He will never forsake you. Verse 3 says that every place that the sole of your foot will tread, that you will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. If God is telling Joshua this, Joshua has to be thinking to himself, wow, it's amazing. What if the Lord is telling you the very same thing? What if the Lord is telling you, if you would just go to your neighbor and you would share the faith, your faith with your neighbor and tell them how wonderful it is to walk with the Lord, to tell them all of these things, will you be blessed by that? One of the, my favorite parts of the book that we're going to be reading, Mark Batterson, is that he says that when you, the, the prayer circle, when you pray, you have to believe that what you're praying is really going to happen. He does this wonderful thing, and when the weather breaks, I'd love to do this in Richtown, and he does this wonderful thing called prayer walking. Anyone ever heard of prayer walking? It's a wonderful thing. You walk around a territory and you pray for it. And you pray that the Lord is going to change this community. He's going to change this area. And you believe that. But see, the problem that we fail at, the problem that many Christians fail at, is that when we pray, we don't really believe the words that we're praying. We don't believe that what we're praying is actually going to happen. We serve a God who wants to answer these questions. We serve a God who wants to answer our prayers. We just have to believe it. We have to have trust. We have to walk in it. If Joshua wouldn't have believed that everywhere his soul touched or the bottom of his foot, his foot would tread upon, if you will, 
would be his or, or he would give to, the Lord would give to him, then why would he have done that? Later on, you're going to see stories where Joshua talks about walking around the walls of Jericho. It's a wonderful story, and I don't want to preach it today because I'm going to preach it in a couple of weeks. But the wonderful story is that if you were told to go walk around the walls and see the walls tear down, would you believe that that would actually happen? Many of you would go, you're crazy. I'm going to stay in bed and watch TV. I'm going to stay at home on my couch. I'm not going to get out and walk around some building and expect the walls to fall. Are you kidding me? problem of it is, the problem with many of us in our faith is that our faith fails when we our faith fails when we stop trusting in God and believing that He can do exactly what He says He can do. Joshua never had this problem. Joshua never failed to believe that what God had spoken he was going to actually do. Joshua believed that what when the Lord told him to go into this land and he would succeed, he would do this. Joshua believed that when he was told to walk around the walls and pray that the walls would fall down. Joshua believed that when he set and went into an area, that that area would be blessed and they could overcome the giants, even if the giants were bigger than him. He trusted and believed in God. Do you know that belief or be- believing in God isn't for God? God doesn't need you to believe in him. He already believes in himself. He knows who he is. He's almighty. Belief isn't for God. See, this is the interesting thing. We oftentimes here on this earth try to position our faith and our Christianity and our belief for something that we're blessing God to do. God doesn't need to be blessed by us. He's the one that blesses us in return. He doesn't need our belief. He doesn't need our faith. He doesn't need our trust. It's us who need all of those things. We need those things. Belief is for you and your faith to grow. Trust is for you to believe that what God is going to say is actually going to happen. That he's going to do those things that he, that he has promised he would do. God, again, doesn't need your faith or your belief. But he wants it because he wants you to trust in him and believe what he has to say. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to, the, to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all that the Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right hand or the left, that you may have good success. Wherever you go, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on it, on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. One of the greatest things that Joshua carried was obedience to follow the Lord. The Lord instructs Joshua not to turn from the law that Moses had given. He tells Joshua to meditate on the word day and night. See, the Lord was calling Joshua to be obedient to all things he had given Moses and now gives to Joshua. One of the biggest problems we as Christians make is that we say, I don't know what the Lord wants me to do. Well, if you don't know what the Lord wants you to do, it's because you're not reading Scripture. Because even if the Lord isn't specifically telling you to get up and go to Giant Eagle and pray for someone in Giant Eagle, there are commands in this Bible that we could be doing every single day. There are things that we should be doing. Living out our faith, feeding the poor, helping the, helping the, the, um, helping the, the widows, helping the young, feeding the poor going out and sharing our faith, making disciples of all men and all ladies. 
Scripture is not short of things for you and I to do, but we don't have the obedience to follow that. In fact, one of the biggest problems that we have is that people don't know what this word says. And so they can't have obedience to this word because they don't know what's going on in this word. Joshua is informed by the Lord to not depart from this word left or right. To always have it with him. To meditate on it day and night. To never let him leave him. So wherever Joshua went, that doesn't mean that Joshua was going to be sitting at home 24-7 with his Bible open. What that meant is that he was living out every promise that came in the law that Moses gave to him. And that no matter where he went, the word was always with him. The word was with him and, and he could share what was going on. Joshua was called to be obedient. Joshua was called to follow Moses' example and also to follow what the Lord had called him to do. My question for us today is how obedient are we to this word? Do you meditate on it day and night? Do you wake up in the morning and say, I need to read what the Lord has to say to me? Do you go to bed at night and say, before I, before I let my eyes rest at night, I need to meditate on the word and know what God says to me. I need to have a personal relationship so much that it burns inside of me and that I can't depart from it left or right. Because if you want to see courageous things, see, most Christians want to have a courageous faith, but they don't want to have a courageous amount of effort to put in it to get to a courageous faith. The truth of the matter is, is we want some type of osmosis to happen. We want to set the Bible in our head and say, download it in there, please, Lord. So I can trust you. But the Lord doesn't want to just download everything into your mind. He wants you to learn it. He wants you to be with him. He wants you to walk with him. He wants you to read it. He wants you to sing it. He wants you to pray it. He wants it to be with you all times, no matter where you go. At the end of this command, the Lord says something that is so awesome. And I imagine many of you probably missed it. And so we're going to reread it for a moment here. The end of this command. Verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. I'm going to stop there for a moment. That's not the, the next... Sentence is the amazing part. This is all amazing. But what the Lord is telling Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. You don't know how to handle a situation at work? Open up scripture. You don't know how to handle a situation with a relationship? Open up scripture. You don't know how to handle a, a issue that you have with your son or your daughter as you're raising? Raise, open up scripture. You don't know how to handle a situation between your wife or your husband? Open up Scripture. You don't know how to handle an argument with your neighbor? Open up Scripture. It tells you exactly everything that you need to do. If you would meditate on this day and night, you would know exactly what to do. There wouldn't be any questions of, how do I follow the Lord? I don't need to know. I don't need to ask that question because it's right here. If I read this and I opened it and it was part of my life, I would know what to do. I would know where to go. What to say. But the next part of this is amazing. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You want to be successful in life? You want to be successful in your relationships? You want to be successful in all that you do? Then follow the word of the Lord. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have difficulties. I mean, listen, Joshua followed the the word of the Lord everywhere that he went. But he still had to go into battle. He still had to go into war. 
He still had to fight. He still had to do the things, but he was successful on wherever he went, unless they didn't do what was inside this book, inside the law. I should be charging hundreds of dollars giving this wonderful information out because this is such a key to success. Everyone's, what's the key to the success of life? What's the key to being successful? What's the key to being a successful teacher? What's the key to being a successful FedEx dock worker? What's the key to being a successful person at Goodyear? What's the key to being a successful pastor? What's the key to being a successful ODOT worker? What's the key to being a successful retired grandmother and mother? (laughs) It's the word of the Lord. He is what is going to make you successful. You understand that? It's simple. People clamor and they pay all this money to people to come and tell them and encourage them and and try to motivate them and try to build them up and try to get them to do. Listen, I spent, in the business years, I spent so many years of my life listening to motivational speakers over and over and over again about how to get motivated to do my job, how to get, and I would just sit back and I would laugh. I really would. Because as people are saying, you got to go to college, you got to have all this, you got to have all this, Let me share a really quick story. I went to college and I failed. I went to Kent State. And I got asked to leave because I was on academic probation. One of the worst things ever happened in my life. One of the best things ever happened in my life, but also one of the worst things ever happened in my life. I was a complete failure. That's what I thought to myself. I was a complete failure because I couldn't understand Algebra, it took me three times, let me rephrase that, three times to pass college algebra. And so I left Kent State totally devastated, not understanding how I was going to succeed in life and where I was going to go or any of these things. Someone suggested to me, well, you need to get right with the Lord. I said, I am right with the Lord. I've been praying to him all the time about this. I prayed and prayed and prayed to ask him to help me pass algebra. And guess what? I never did. And so I began to ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that I need to do? How do I become successful? And he said, don't worry about anything other than following me. Meditate on this, this very verse he brought me to. And he said, follow what I have asked you to do. Meditate on me day and night and you'll be successful. Wasn't short after that, I decided that I needed some type of education. And so I went to Bohecker's Business College. I graduated from Bohecker's Business College in Ravenna. One of the top in my class. I passed college algebra on the first time with an A. It took me three times, and I failed it all three times at Kent State, but I passed it the first time there. I go to the business world, and as I get into the business world, I remember someone telling me, you'll never be successful because all you have is a, bachelor, all you have is an associate's degree. You're not going to be successful. You need a bachelor's degree to go anywhere. Well, I found out that I was able to talk my way into little tykes, <laughs> get hired by them, And then as I was there, the Lord would lead me and guide me to do the right things. When I was asked to do something that I had no idea how I would understand or how I could do this thing, I would go into a conference room, I'd shut the door, I'd shut off the lights, I'd get on my knees and I'd go, Lord, you put me here for a reason. There must be a reason why I'm here, so help me through this. And I'd come out of that room encouraged with some type of idea from the Lord. This man who failed algebra three times, began to build departments at Little Tykes 
And I'm not, I, I, I'm bragging because I'm boasting in the Lord. It's not about anything that I've done because I have to be honest with you. My budget was over $130 million. I was a second largest customer for Little Tykes. I was, in, I was responsible for that. I'd built up a department at Little Tykes so big that it was bigger than uh, Toys R Us. At the time, it was huge. Toys R Us is now gone, but it was huge at the time. I did all of this stuff, and you know what my secret was? My secret was I had no idea what I was doing. I, I, I'll be completely honest with you, I didn't. I would face this, uh, this unbelievable task was given to me, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, and so I'd go into a conference room, and I'd get down on my hands and knees, and I'd pray and say, Lord, I don't know how to handle this. You've got to help me. And you know what happened? He would help me. He would give me an idea, and I'd go out, and lo and behold, it was a successful idea. And then as I continued to do that, I remember one specific time our company was in the process of being sold, and many people were being fired, and many people were being laid off, and I was for sure I was going to be one of them. I was middle management at this time, and so I went into the conference room, and I shut off the light, and I got down on my knees. I said, Lord, you're in, you're in charge. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And as I was sitting down there praying, unbeknownst to me, my vice president of marketing walks up, brand new to the company, hadn't been to the company. He was the new company that was coming in to take over the company. And he was standing outside the conference room hearing me cry my eyes out and pray to the Lord about helping me. And he walks in, he turns on the light, and he goes, stand up. I said, I'm not done praying. Shut the light off. I'll be out in a moment. And he goes, come see me as soon as you're done. I said, okay. So I got done praying thinking, well, I'm going to get my brown box, right? That's what everyone says. That's what happens in the corporate world. You grab your brown box and you go to see your, your new boss and your new boss tells you, thanks for all your business, get all your personal items and leave. And I walked in there and he says to me, Anyone who doesn't think they have an idea but can, is willing to try is a person I want on my team. And he made me not only, in, he, he not only gave me a promotion, but he made me control over the largest portion of our business at Little Tykes. The secret, again, was not anything that I did. I can tell you, I can stand before you today and not even bat an eye. I did not know anything that I was doing. It was the Lord that did all of those things before me. Now, I have learned things since then. I have experience now. You learn from experience and the things you're going through. But it was the Lord that I trusted on. I was obedient to him. See, when Joshua, or insert my name, was obedient, then success was promised. If you're obedient to the Lord, you will be successful. That doesn't mean everything is going to be wonderful, everything's going to be beautiful, and everything's going to go all right, but you will be successful because we are obedient to the Lord who controls all things. Your success is not when you can do something great with your own hands. Your success is not something when you can be, your success is not how strong you are or how weak you are. Your success is not how rich you are or how poor you are. Your success is how obedient you are to the Lord. I wish that every single person I preach to could understand this. I wish that every single person outside that I talk to in the streets could get this and simply understand this, that you will be successful if you're obedient to the Lord. Nobody likes the process or action of being obedience, but the path to success and great faith with the Lord is full obedience to, to him. 
If you want to have a strong faith, a courageous faith that can do all things, including passing college algebra, then all you have to have is obedience to the Lord. Verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want to pause there just for one moment, and I want to end. This is going to be my last point. But I want to tell you something here. You can have the strongest faith. You can have the strongest trust. You can have the strongest obedience in the Lord. And if you have fear, fear can pull you away from all of those things. There's one good fear that the, scripture, that the Lord in, in Scripture tells us, and that's the fear of the Lord is the only good fear to have. Outside of that, fear will draw you away from everything that the Lord is calling you to do. I don't care how obedient you are. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how, uh, uh, how trustworthy you are. I don't care how much you trust in the Lord. If you allow fear to keep, creep up inside of you, it will keep you from achieving what the Lord has called you to do. I can't tell you countless number of conversations I've had with people that said, you know, I was so excited to go share my faith with so-and-so. And I got there to do the, to have this conversation and I had this perfect idea planned in my head how I was going to say something and how I was going to share this. And exactly when I started to do it, I just got scared, so I stopped. Fear will stop you from doing, fear will stop the greatest movements of God. My question to you is what has it stopped you from doing today? Scripture tells us to be strong and courageous. To stand in the sight of fear and be strong and courageous. What Joshua was going to have to do was going to cause him to do something that he had never done before. He was going to have to trust in the Lord with all strength, all courage, all everything that was inside of him. But he could have been easily dismayed and pulled away from that. But he was strong and courageous and he didn't allow fear to pull him away. Moses in verse uh, in Deuteronomy 31 tells tells uh, summons Joshua and he says in the whole sight of Israel be strong and courageous for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to him. <clears throat> Moses begins way before Joshua even gets the calling from the Lord to be strong and courageous and do not be terrified. This wonderful verse that we read in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, is not just actually from the Lord. It's also the Lord spoke to Moses to give to Joshua, and he's telling him about this fear to be strong. We must learn to be strong and courageous and not to be terrified. For our Lord, our Savior, is with us wherever we go. It doesn't matter if you're sharing the good news with a friend or a neighbor. It doesn't matter if the Lord is calling you to leave your job to go do something else. It doesn't matter if the Lord has asked you to face the, the, the fact of a medical the Lord is with you. If we allow fear to pull us away, We'll never achieve what the Lord wants us to achieve. And ask the worship team to come forward. My challenge to you today is this. 
I'm sure there's something in your life today that you have allowed fear to stop you from doing. Something in your life you have stopped short of doing because fear has called you away. You knew that the Lord was calling you. You knew that the Lord was pulling you into this. And yet, you allowed that fear to stop you. What dream, what movement, what idea, what calling has the Lord placed on you so much so that you know it's from Him, but fear has called you and stopped you from doing that? Who have you not shared the gospel, the good news with because of fear? What have you not done because fear has stopped you from that? What have you not done because the Holy Spirit has been directing in your heart, but you've been afraid to move? The Lord is calling us to do that. It may look scary or even seem scary, but you have to understand that the author, the one who said all things are possible through me, is with you wherever you go. All you have to be is not, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid. In my notes I say, pull up those britches and let's move forward. That's what God is calling us to do. Will you stand with me, please? I can't help but believe that in a room this size, that there are some here in this room that have let fear stop them from doing what the Lord has called them to do. Maybe it's as simple as reconciling with a friend or a family member or a loved one. Maybe it's as simple as sharing your faith with someone that's close to you. Maybe it's someone at your work. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe it's an idea that's so grand that you just don't understand how it's going to get done and so it has scared you from stop, and it stopped you from doing it because you just don't understand. You don't know, God, how is this possible? It's possible not by your hands. It's not possible by my hands. It's possible by his hands. He makes all things possible. If we don't allow ourselves to be terrified, if we don't allow ourselves to be afraid, if we don't allow ourselves to fall victim to that fear, then we can see the Lord achieve great things in our lives. The one thing that Joshua had that we'll continue to see all month long, all the time that we spend with Joshua, what we will see over and over again is that Joshua didn't allow the fear of what could be to come against him. He wasn't afraid to do what the Lord had called him to do. And so he had clarity of mind and he was able to go forward. (coughs) My prayer for you today is that whatever has been keeping you back, whatever you have allowed that fear to creep inside of you to stop from doing, that you would let go of that fear and that you would walk forward. That you would say, Lord, I don't want this fear to hold me back anymore. I want to achieve what you have called me to achieve. I want to have courageous faith. I want to be obedient to you. I want to trust you beyond all trust. And I want to follow you wherever you go. And I want to know that wherever I put the sole of my foot, wherever I tread upon, wherever I walk around, whatever prayer I say, as long as it's with you and and you're with me, I can be successful. I guarantee you, guarantee you the Lord will speak to you. There's something that I've learned through my life is that when I pray and I need help and I'm honest about that prayer and I'm not honest about being successful in my own right or for my own self, but I just want to glorify God, I know that when I pray that prayer, the Lord is going to answer that prayer and he will do the same for you. Let me encourage that. Let me pray for you today. Father, I pray, I stand here before you, Lord, like Joshua did, 
hearing the call that you are given to us. Be, do not be terrified. Do not be dismayed. Be strong and courageous. Follow me. Follow you wherever you go. And so, Father, we stand before you in this place, right here, right now, asking you, Lord, I pray, right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you just come against the fear that has built up inside of us as Christians, afraid to go out and do what you have called us to do. Lord, each and every one of us, I'm sure, has a dream or a vision or something that's been inside of us that we have not followed because we have allowed fear to creep up inside of us. And so I remove that right now in the name of Jesus, and I ask you for your boldness and your strength to come in and rush in to us today, Father. Help us to know that wherever we place our feet, wherever we speak our prayers, and we seek after you, that we will be successful. That we can see you glorified and honored as Joshua did. And we can enter into our own promised land. That relationship with you. Father, I pray, speak to us today. Overcome our fears. Let us follow you. Even as we worship this song, as we worship you through this song, may we give over that fear to you. Have that trust and obedience with you. In Jesus' name. Let's sing together. <laughs>